Hey, welcome in, fight fans. Here on a Wednesday, I am Ryan McKinnell in for Jimmy Smith, and you're listening to Unlocking the Cage podcast edition. On today's edition of Unlocking the Cage, we got an interview with Robbie Lawler ahead of his fight with Brian Barberena at UFC 276 this weekend, and we also examine who should win the ESPY for ESPN's 2022 Fighter of the Year. Before this man steps in the cage for, I don't even know, like the umpteenth time. This dude has been fighting forever. I preface this, Robbie Lawler, before you came on. I have been covering this sport for 15 years, my guy. And I was playing you as a video game character when I was back in college. And here you are fighting on another UFC, man. Can I just say congratulations before Saturday even starts? Because it's wild to still see you here doing your thing, man. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Well, I, well listen, man, I appreciate you. I don't say that often either. Like I don't. I was talking to Russo and Kelly before you came on. Um, you know, fifteen years in the sport, I can't say I'm a fan of every, anybody. You know what I mean? Like you can't really do that as a journalist. Uh, but you predate my my time <laughs> as a journalist, so I feel like I get to say it's okay for me to say I'm a fan of Robbie Lawler. I've been a fan of yours for years and years and years. I can't wait to see you in the cage on Saturday, man. You've done it all. I mean, championships, fight of the years. Uh, you know, and here we sit on another international fight week. Does this one feel a little bit different at age 40? Like as these weeks and years and months start passing by? Uh, it, it feels good actually, just to be on a, a big card still after 20 plus years of yeah. doing this, just to be, be able to compete at a high level and be on one of these big, one of the biggest UFC cards of the year. It's just awesome to be a part of it. And I'm, I would imagine, listen, I know it's a it's a bummer. We're all bummed. My colleague, my former co-host, Misha Tate, obviously, uh, you know, they're falling out. Uh, Lauren Murphy, that fight getting pushed to July 16th in, in New York. But uh, that opens up the door for you. And I'm so happy because I was as surprised as you were when we found out that you and Barbarina were going to be on the prelims, which would have been the first time in your career that you would have ever been on the prelims. I'm glad we, we get to avoid that. And you are a part of the main card. That makes me happy, Robbie Lawler. That's got to make you happy yeah no it's good it it really i would say didn't matter too much but it's definitely a pleasure to be on the main card be a part of the big show and yeah. and just be touted as one of the main card fighters yeah, so Robbie, and we're here with Ruthless Robbie Lawler. I kind of set it up, right? Like, I was playing you as a character on the UFC video game when I was back in college, and I started in this business 15 years ago. You are truly a veteran. You're a future Hall of Famer. What do you think, like, the biggest difference is between that Robbie Lawler, the Robbie Lawler I was playing on a video game back when I was at Ball State, shout out Ball State in Indiana, as opposed to the Robbie Lawler that we're dealing with today, just a few days away from UFC 276? Uh, just a little more season, more relaxed, just been there, done that, just kind of uh, taking advantage of all the situations I still have in life and, and trying to continue to evolve. Uh, obviously, I was young then and just kind of like eager to get out there and fight, but I'm definitely more seasoned, <laughs> more relaxed, and uh, probably enjoying the moment a little bit more. 
I like how you say eager. I would say more intensely violent. You're still a very violent individual. You definitely <laughs> live up to your namesake, ruthless. Uh, when you talk about you sort of that history, and we dive into the history and the differences, and uh, you know, you are you unquestionably. I mean, the, the the patience shown, the the distance used, the integrating of leg kicks. Like, I mean, as a fan of Robbie Lawler's, I've seen the changes. You've obviously, I mean, you work on the changes and being a better fighter every single day, Robbie. Uh, I saw you talk about. It was an article on MMA fighting. You did a recent interview where they asked you, like, you know, what fight do you, was better? Like, what fight do you think was more exciting, the McDonald fight or the Condit fight? I actually wanted to kind of piggyback. And for the record, you said the McDonald fight, which to this day is still the craziest fight I've ever seen live. I, I craziest fight I've ever seen. Period. But this is a little bit of a a little bit of a different question that is kind of along the same lines, Robbie. If you had to pick like three fights that defined Robbie Lawler, because listen, Robbie, I, I, I have a I, this isn't your last fight. I know you're going to be around for a little bit longer, but we are coming in towards the end years of your career on some level because you are 40. So I do want to ask you this while I still get the chance. Right. If you had to pick three fights that define you as a man, as a fighter, what fights do you think you would pick after that, you know, long, illustrious career? Oof. Yeah, it's obviously the Rory fight everyone talks about. That yeah. that was a big fight. Uh, I mean, they're all important to me. That's that's the thing. Like win or lose, but I mean, is it more for the fans? Because I'm kind of like moved on. But like, obviously, the Rory fight is like <laughs> fight that I mean, I people come up to me all the time like, oh man, that's my favorite fight. You got me into the sport or something along those lines. But for me, like. Every fight is is very important, win or lose, because you're kind of fine fine tuning everything. Because it's like, sure, one of the things where you look at the camp, why you felt a certain way in your fight. Like, all right, do I need to add this? Do I need to take that out? But, uh, I mean, obviously the big ones are probably winning the title. But I actually would like to mm-hmm. go back and say my first fight with uh, Hendrick that I lost. I, I thought that was a good showing and I thought I could have done more, but it was my response to the loss and just willing to go back to the drawing board and, and just get to work and get after it. No excuses. I failed and how can I get better? So I think that was a big fight for me. And I was enjoying myself out there. And I think that's a, a huge thing for, for my life and my career and young fighters. When you're in there, you try to enjoy yourself. Try to... Uh, have fun and uh, take advantage of the opportunity. That's what I try to do in, in all my fights now. Hey, hey, Robbie. Hey, Robbie, I don't mean to cut you off. I think you might be blocking your microphone a little, little bit. Yep, I was. I was. Hearing you. There you go. There you yeah. go. Now I can hear you. So continue. I'll go back continue, a little bit. So, like, my uh, most recent fight, I feel like, is, is probably one of the most important ones because you're only as good as your last fight. So it's – Sure. They always say that, and it's like, all right, like, now I'm going to use that momentum to keep going. Well, that means even more, right? Like, okay, so it's one thing for a 28-year-old to say, hey, my most recent fight is my most important. But at 40, I feel like that applies even more to a person <laughs> and a fighter in your situation. And I hate keep bringing up that it's 40, but it's also a, a feather in your cap. Like, dude, in the midst of cuts, and I mean, you, you, there was a time you weren't in the UFC. You know this better than anybody, right? I feel like that credo of, like, you're only as good as your last fight applies even more to you kind of right now where you're at. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've been there, done that. I've lost, I've won, <laughs> but it's like, you're obviously like everyone kind of remembers what you've done recently. So I'm going to keep yeah. that momentum going that from that Nick Diaz training camp into that fight, into this yep. fight. So it's just like keeping that momentum going. Yeah. Now that was, uh, that was one of the fights, the first Diaz fight. I know it didn't go your way that first fight all those years ago. That is, again, I don't know if I'm here 15 years in the sport if I don't watch that fight. I'm, I don't remember what age I was. I was like 18 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's crazy for me to put that together. But, like, it was such a – the shit talk in between it. Your anger, yeah. right? Nick's sort of anger. It was one of those fights I was like, yo, this is something we haven't seen in fighting. This is something new it's something fresh and, and and it's great to be able to still talk to you Robbie Lawler as an active UFC fighter ahead of UFC 276 obviously Brian, Brian Barbarena coming up for you that's your next test uh, but I do want to ask you as we talk about that first Diaz fight and we talk about a career retrospective you talked about Hendricks maybe being one of the fights that first one uh, that didn't go your way right of, of maybe being one of those things that define you Robbie what loss taught you the most throughout this long illustrious career Man, they all have. <laughs> That's good. Uh, That's good. Probably, I mean, the first one was getting caught by, uh, getting knocked out by Nick because it taught yeah. me that I was, I wasn't indestructible. Which did it? Did it? Did it really? Did it really I mean, teach you that? Because maybe, we watched the McDonald's fight. Your, maybe work on your defense a little bit more and, and pick your spots a little bit, like get a little bit more savvy to your game than just go out there and throw caution to the wind. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, did it really teach you? Because then we watched like 20 <laughs> more years of you going absolutely insane in an octagon, but that's why we love watching you fight, man. I know that's why a lot of people are going to be tuning in on Saturday at UFC 276. You're obviously getting in against Brian Barbarena. Like that's a dude that uh, he seems like a likable guy. I've spoken to him a few times. He seems well-rounded enough. Um, it, it's again, he's also a guy though, that Robbie has shown before he's willing to mix it up. Uh, I would expect you're expecting what we all are thinking is going to happen on Saturday, which is a, I will just say this, a pretty active fight. Yeah. I mean, uh, training camp's gone really well for me. Uh, my partners at Sanford good. MMA did a great job of getting me ready for this. My body feels good. So it's just getting that weight down for the first time in a, in a while. Uh, but yeah, he comes to fight. I come to fight. So just, just a throwback, I guess. And and I, lo I love the way you put it. I always love a good throwback fight. Have you gotten any um, indication from the UFC what a what a win might be or where your place is right now on the roster? Because as we were as we were talking about, right, this could have been your first fight on the prelims. It's not, thankfully. But do do you have any idea what your future looks like in the company and what the future might hold for you after Saturday? Nah, just one fight at a time. I don't really focus too much at that on that type of stuff. Just focus on the gym, getting our guys ready, getting myself ready, and obviously my family. But, yeah, I mean, I can't control what the UFC is doing on their end, but I can control. I think we might have lost Robbie there. I think he's catching up. You got me, Robbie? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. 
Okay, we lost you there at the end, but that's okay. Um, listen, I do want to ask before we get you out of here, we talked about that little bit of a break, right? You've experienced it all, championships, Hall of Fame career, fight of the years, but for a lot of people that don't remember, right, there was a period where you were out of the UFC. You worked your way back into this company, then became champion, which was such a great story, and I know so many people look about that fondly. Um, but I do want to ask you, what do you think the biggest difference is between that first run and the second run and, 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 and what we're looking at at this ruthless as compared to the the young man that we saw all those years before uh just the maturity uh i don't think i was at that time as a kid i wasn't ready for the fighting's the easy part for me i don't like to do never have liked to do but i'm getting better at it like the media being a star that (laughs) that type of push i just want to show up and fight and go home and i feel like when i was out of the ufc for that period of time that's what i was able to do i was fighting in hawaii just go there on vacation go fight i was fighting at 185 so i was just eating whatever i wanted just just enjoying the sport and and watching everyone from afar obviously my training partners fought in the ufc so i was at events still and and a part of cornering people but it was the maturity level relaxing and and just enjoying the process of actually fighting and like not being in the spotlight, I guess. And then when I came back to the UFC, I was excited because I I had been watching all these guys for so long, uh, compete at a high, high level. And I was like, I know I can go out there and showcase my skills and do pretty well. And so I was excited to get back in there. And I guess, uh, I did, my media was a little bit better that second run. And, uh, yeah, won some fights and, and enjoyed the whole process. So obviously this, this camp or this phase is, is just kind of building on that, trying to enjoy the process, try to enjoy all the years and everything I put in and try to put it all together and, and make a little mini run here and, and showcase my skills for all the fans, uh, it's been a long career, but it's been a fun career. I, I, I don't feel like I've been doing this forever, but uh, obviously I have. <laughs> you have, and you've been entertaining forever, and we're, uh, we're thankful for it. We're here with Ruthless Robbie Lawler, and you talked about enjoying the process, Robbie. I, I do want to ask you, right, like go back to Militich Fighting Systems. We go back to Bettendorf, right, and you look at today. Like, do you enjoy fighting uh, the same today as you did back in those early days of NHB? Oh yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It's different though. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I'm giving back to the sport a little bit. Like I have training partners that I'm helping people help me when I was younger. So that's what sports all about is showing what I've learned to these other guys so that they yeah. can do what they want to do in this sport. So yeah, I, I enjoy fighting. I enjoy competing and, and that's why I do it. Uh, I enjoy the preparation too, which is weird. A lot of people don't, but I actually enjoy the working <laughs> out, the lifting, the the dieting. It's just I just like pushing myself. I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. Now you talked about uh, you know giving back to the next generation. You talked about the, your training partners and your coaching. Uh, obviously, you come from a great lineage. You you you've, you've been around of great coaches throughout your career and I probably only know the half of it uh, I would imagine Robbie when your career is done right whenever that time may come uh, that the coaching is going to be a big part of your future and you I would imagine you want to stick around the sport 
yeah, I definitely want to give back and, and continue to help this sport grow and, and the fighters around me grow, especially the guys who have helped me. If I could touch a few uh, lives and then those guys touch a few lives and then the sport continues to grow and, and we do some great things. So, yeah, this it's all about giving back and uh, sharing some knowledge. I love that answer. And on that note, that is exactly where we're going to leave you. Ruthless Robbie Lawler, man. Best of luck come Saturday. And I truly mean this from the bottom of my heart, man. Thank you for all the great memories and fights. You are truly one of the best to do it. Thank you very much. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Billy Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. VSPN has released released its list for Fighter of the Year through the ESPY Awards. You all know the ESPYs. They've been around for decades now. It is the fan-voted award show that they do in the middle of the summer, which I don't, like, how are we announcing Fighter of the Year in the middle of the summer? Like, the year is not over. Do we just go summer to summer, Russo? I saw you shaking your head. I I, I know there's no rhyme or reason. We, We just do it. We just... I, we get along with it. Like, how am I supposed to like talk about records and like what they've done in a year? Am I supposed to do it from July of last year? Like what the hell is going on? I, I yeah, I guess to go with summer to summer. Cause most of the sports I guess are done as you, as you hit the summer, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm like, how do we, how do we figure this out? Like, well, the person nominated yeah. is fighting this weekend. Really you know? like, this. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to do this, but I will say this. I will say this. It is a great list. Here is the list that is being put out to be voted on by fans for SB's, uh, the SB's ESPN's Fighter of the Year. We got four fighters nominated. We got four fighters, which I thought in the past boxers had been put in this category and if they have their own separate category that's great and they should so i think that's what's happening here because the category is best mma fighter and that's according to mma fighting so i'm pretty sure they got it right so it sounds like they've separated uh the fighting categories which is good because again i don't think they should have ever been uh combined to begin with so for best MMA fighter for this year in 2022. Here are your four choices. And there are some good ones. They really are. Alexander Volkanovsky. Charles Oliveira. Kamaro Usman. And then we jump over to the PFL for their lightweight champion in Kayla Harrison. Now, for his, I'm just going to say this. For as great as Kayla Harrison is and for all that she has accomplished, and I do mean all, right? The, the two-time gold medalist being probably the most impressive part of that, if, no matter how many million-dollar checks she collects in the PFL. She has fought no one in the PFL. Her next fight is against 12-12 and 12, Caitlin Young, and people are excited about that, and that's this Friday. And again, yeah, I guess that kind of is a dig at Caitlin Young. Uh, I mean, it's not like necessarily directly at her, but she's 12-12, and 12. like, it speaks volumes to the lack of competition that Kayla Harrison has faced. And listen, that's not really Kayla's fault. Like, she wants it, right? Like, you saw it when she was there for Juliana Pena 
And uh, Amanda Nunes, right? She was sitting cage side and she let out like the world's greatest F bomb. <laughs> like it was amazing. And the and the F bomb was because Kayla had, you know, big plans to come over and fight, I think, her former teammate into Amanda Nunes, and it would have been a you know a, a big fight for the UFC uh, for them to sell, and a big fight for Kayla Harrison to have. So again, no disrespect because she is clearly a dominant champion. She just hasn't fought the level of competition, and if she doesn't get out of the PFL, that's going to be something that follows her, and she knows that. And I give her a lot of credit. Now, again, I, <laughs> before you hear MMA Today every day, I say UFC belts mean jack shit, right? Like, so I'm not going to sit here at the same time and drag Kayla Harrison too hard. At the end of the day, it's just an SB. At the end of the day, it's just a UFC championship. They really don't mean that much. What matters is the money you get in return. So Kayla Harrison, get those bags. If they are paying you well to go over there and smack around people in the PFL and to you know get your record up to 25-0, and 0, who gives a shit what I say? Who cares what anybody else says? You made a living in this sport, and that is near impossible to do. You're not going to get ESPYs. You're not going to get a UFC championship, but you got houses, and you got vacations, and you got time off. So... Uh, again, salute to Kayla Harrison for the nomination. I don't think there's any way that she wins this. For me, it's down to Kamaro Usman, Charles Oliveira, and Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, for me, again, this is so weird because we're doing it in the middle of the summer. And, and I think Russo brought up a great point. I think it's because all the sports have kind of finished. Uh, you know, the NFL is obviously the only sport that's going on right now is Major League Baseball in terms of the big four, right? The NBA just wrapped, the NHL just wrapped, and then they do the ESPYs over uh, All-Star Weekend for Major League Baseball so they can get as many people in attendance as possible and then they can get eyes on, well, pretty much everything, right? Uh, I, think, I think this category is dependent on what happens on Saturday. If Volkanovski gets passed, Max Holloway, and that's a big if because there's a lot of people that think Max won that second fight, and I'm not going to argue with you, right? But if Volkanovski gets past Holloway on Saturday, I think Volkanovski's my fighter of the year. If he doesn't, I think it's Kamaru Usman. And it's again, I okay, maybe not the most active, but like Usman is again. We talked about this earlier in the show, encroaching on George St. Pierre. We're talking about one of the greatest of all time, and this is this sucks, and it sucks bad. If it weren't for the weight issue and the missed half a pound and the fact that Oliveira got his belt taken away, I would say it's probably Charles Oliveira because of the story. So it's like there's so many what there's so many ifs that like go into this and like if this had happened and yada, yada, yada. I'm, that's what's unfortunate about this subject. If it happened in December instead of July, right, I think maybe my vote would be different. But the fact is it's happening in July, and if it is going to happen in July, and if he does win on Saturday, then Volkanovski's my pick for fighter of the year for the ESPYs. What do you think, Cobb? Where would you go on that list? Again, I think it would be Charlie Olives if it wasn't for that whole weight thing. Yep. Um, I'm with you on Kayla Harrison. And it's nothing against Kayla yeah. Harris. I love Kayla Harris. No. I, yep. I think she's fantastic fighter, absolute role model. Everything you like, want to show. Great on the mic. Yep. Like, if you had a daughter and you like, there's an athlete you want her to look at, like, taking care of, like, her, you know, her, her, her sister's kids. Like, absolute role model that you could ever ask for. 
but she just hasn't had that strength of schedule. She's kind of run through because there is no one for her, unfortunately. Like, they're yep. doing their best to try to give her somebody. Just hasn't worked out. Oliveira, I'm with you. He would be tougher to knock off. But to me, like, you want to be fighter of the year, you got to make weight. I don't buy into that whole, oh, the scales were off uh, scenario. It's like maybe the practice scale was off a little bit. I still don't see how it was thrown off so badly that you don't know from changing it to kilograms to pounds. Everybody else seemed to make weight the next day just fine. So uh, you got to make weight. Yeah. That's a hit. For me, it's between Kamaro and Volk. That that is where things get tough because both are working towards all time greatness in their divisions. Yep. Who who has faced a tougher thing? I think if if Volk goes out there and really makes it a definitive win over Max Holloway, like we're just, we're, not, we're not questioning things the way that we did on the last fight. Yeah. I might be biased. I, I kind of want to give it to him because he would kind of have cleaned out that division to a degree, but I can't knock Kamaro either. Like, that to me, it's so tough. I want to put Volk ahead because I think some of the people he's faced have been a little bit better. But yep. I can't I can't knock Kamaro. He's beaten some good people too. It's, that's, that's the tough one for me. It's coin flip. And again, he's chasing down GSP's legacy. Kelly, I want to ask you, when you look at that list, do you pretty much mirror what uh, Russo and I are saying? Because I feel like the MMA public at large is having a lot of the same feelings we are. Yeah, absolutely. At first glance, my initial thought was Volkanovski. And then a second later, I was like, "Mm, it would be hard to immediately write Kamara Usman off when you're thinking about who would win. But I'm in the same boat with Charles Oliveira. Like, you have to make weight. Like Mike said, everybody else seemed to make weight the next day, regardless if there was a scale issue or not. Nobody else had a problem except... I think I don't remember who it was, but one of the 145ers, I think a women, yeah. one yeah, of the women. Um, yeah. But regardless, everybody else that needed to make championship weight made championship weight. That's where I write him off. And same thing with Kayla Harrison. While her opposition isn't up to her, and obviously PFL matched the offer that Bellator made, so it's not up to her who yep. she's fighting. The level of opposition just isn't. You can't compare it to the people, you know, that Charles Oliveira yep. is fighting, the people that Volko and Usman are fighting. It's you kind of have to take her out of it. Too. I guess. I guess at least they mentioned her. At least they put her in the category. For sure. Yeah. I mean, she's I mean, dominant as all hell. You can't say she yeah, isn't. Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess in that respect, it speaks to just how good uh, Kayla Harrison is and the attention that she's grabbing, because this is the you know, this is the SBs. This is ESPN. Uh, people are are paying attention, and it just it makes me wonder, sweet Jesus, how popular would she be if she was doing this against the best fighters in the world, right? Because again, the skills she has on the microphone, like this woman can sell a fight. Imagine in this alternate universe, and not even an alternate universe. This is imagine her against Julie Pena, like that's a fight that I would love to see. So I don't know if we'll ever get to see it, but yeah. It, uh, it is the reality of the situation, just in the same By way the way, Big Mac, situation is. Also What's worth up? mentioning, because I still see this left and right on social media. When people talk about Kayla Harris, and they're like, oh, she wanted to be so good. She should have gone to the UFC or Bellator. What's that? It's always worth re- like reminding our, uh, the people that like she wanted to. She had a matching clause in her contract. PFL matched her best offer. She had to stick with PFL. That was the way the contract was structured. Like, Kayla yep. wanted to try to step up. She just... They matched the best offer, so she's back with PFL. I, I see it rampantly still on social media. Anytime, and Kayla we also see it on. We up. also, and you know what else we see? We see it written all over her face when she does interviews. Like we've known Kayla for years now. Like she, 
she's angry, man. She's one pissed off lady. Like, she doesn't like he- Like, if she had to sit, well, first of all, she would have turned this shit off at the beginning of this segment and been like, yeah, I'm done with this altogether. But she's had to listen to this now for years, and she's a two-time Olympic gold medalist who I'm pretty sure she thinks she can handle anyone in this sport. Like, not only she thinks it, she knows it, right? Imagine knowing that in your blood and then having people like me be, well, you know, the this and that. Like, we're doing our best to cover it and be like, listen, she's a great athlete, but she don't want to hear those butts, man. And it's just the problem. It's like when, you, when it comes to these stupid little like SB superlatives, like these yeah. kind of things matter, though. Like it's when you're comparing. They do. Even, even as I'm looking at Volk and Usman, I don't know who has the more impressive run. Let's say it's July to July. to July. Okay. So in that time, I'm looking February 2021. We'll start there for Usman. He had Gilbert Burns. Masvidal and Kobe Covington. Uh, for okay. Volkanovski, it was Brian Ortega, Chang Sung Jung, Korean Zombie, and now he'll be taking on Holloway as well. So, like, what is the more impressive run in the, in, the, in those mixes? And you made a great point. They're both encroaching on the best of all time in their division. So, uh, with Volkanovski, it's either Holloway or Aldo, right? And with Usman, it's of course it's George St. Pierre. So you're encroaching on these just incredible legacies at the same time also we can't make a determination on this list until what happens on saturday unlocking the cage with jimmy smith is part of the sirius xm podcast network the executive producer is michael russo the associate producer is kelly murphy sound design by nuri balin special thanks to sirius xm's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting steve cohen and sirius xm fight nation program director marissa Rivas. sirius xm podcasts